Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's time once again to go first to third and run the bases. Here with you, as always, is Tucker Wells, play-by-play, and joined, as always, by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you, my friend? Pretty good, Tucker. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We are now officially on iTunes. How does it feel to be on iTunes? Uh, I'm pretty indifferent to it, but I, I do recognize that you always start off each episode sounding a little nasal. <laughs> well, I kind of am, so oh, okay. that makes sense. I'll yeah. try to work on that. I'm, I don't care. Yeah, well, I, I now I'm self-conscious, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is uh, part two of our two-part series about um, art and baseball. Uh, we did um, the art of baseball last week, and this week we're doing baseball as an art, or baseball is an art. Either way, is true. So, Coach, how is it that baseball is an art? Well, you, you've you known me for a long time and known that I, I've always claimed this. And in many ways, just to throw it in the face of football fans and soccer fans and everything else, uh, whatever. Uh, but I do think there are two ways of kind of looking at baseball as an art. First... And foremost, it's a beautiful thing. It's just the aesthetics of baseball, the the green of the grass. And it's not just some watered-down Bermuda, you know, that, I mean, it's this, that kind of fescue that if you let it grow and you rolled in it, it would grab you. And the kind that gave you deep, rich, green grass stains. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful grass and, and the parabolic nature of the field, how it extends forever. It's a beautiful thing with all the, the uniforms, the field, everything else. The pageantry of baseball is a, is a very beautiful thing. There is also the beauty of the game itself, the physical play, uh, the, I mean, athletes have been the models of art since Michelangelo. Uh, but if you look at the grace with which baseball is played, it's uh, it's parallel to any kind of classical artistic endeavor ever. Yeah. Well, the setting... Um, for sure is, uh, is just, it's unbelievably beautiful. Yes. Soothing, um, peaceful, um, exciting and too. exciting. Oh, the flashing lights and everything. Think of as a small child, the first time you went to Atlanta Fulton County stadium, uh, I mean, that would have been your first stadium, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, and looking at the scoreboard and, uh, you know, the, the line, everything, everything about it, the uniforms and everything, it had to be a pageant that still sticks with you. And that was at a time when Atlanta Fulton County Stadium was about as ugly as any major league ballpark around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, I think, five years old, just barely able to remember anything. And we went to uh, see the Braves play either the Cubs or the Dodgers. I only remember that the other team had blue in their uniform. And not only was it like more than three fourths empty, um, I kind of had this vague memory as if where they were playing shifted. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But I felt like home plate was at one point closer to me at the beginning of the game than it was later on in the game. Well, you may have moved around. 
that's true you certainly could do that back in those days but yeah, yeah. even then yeah absolutely you know uh, there was something for me just to um when i was in college um bush stadium i was in college in st louis bush stadium two was still uh where the cardinals played and it was the last of the concrete donut multi-purpose stadiums from the 60s and 70s and one of my favorite things to do was to like lean back in my chair and try and see the whole circle um you know i, I just it, it's just to sound like a surfer it's cool <laughs> you know it looks good you know and and um yeah and and the personality that stadiums in their architecture have yeah yeah well, um we we've had in recent years this design company that goes around uh making most of these new ballparks and making them in kind of um not antiquated but uh this kind of nostalgic uh individual way uh whether you're talking about uh the Marlins or San Francisco or you know any of these new ballparks and uh i i only hope that they do the same company does uh credence to the new brave stadium yeah i I think they were will the early designs it looks very similar to you know pnc park in uh pittsburgh and a little bit of at&t uh stadium out in uh uh, san francisco only difference being is that the scenery won't be nearly as good given that you'll be looking at cobb county but other than that yeah i think they'll i think they'll they'll be faithful to the kind of retro design that's so um popular and well so because that's how baseball stadiums should be each one should be different and remind us of stadiums of the past um well i mean so many stadiums i mean the the old stadiums the fenways and the wrigley's and everything were built inner city and they were constructed in such a way that they were built around avenues and streets and things why like at old Briggs stadium or tiger stadium uh where you could hit a ball into right field about 290 feet and if you hit it high enough it was a home run but if it was a line drive you better hit it 380 feet you know uh the uh because there was a street down below and the bleachers had to overhang i mean uh, all of these unique things were out of necessity now it's out of a sense of uh kind of cultural nostalgia but you don't get that in any other sport, you know. It's interesting, you know, people who who don't think that baseball is an art. Well, you just look at popular culture um, and how many like how-to videos and how-to books about baseball call talk about the art of hitting or oh, the art of pitching. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree with that. But in terms of stadiums, I think you would find some Packer fans that would argue that Lambeau Field and. Bears fans that would argue that Soldier Field have this kind of uh, individual nostalgia that you know baseball stadiums have. Yeah, agreed. The the, uh, but at its core, though, the playing field itself in in football, the playing fields are all the same. It's you know a hundred uh, going yards. Going the whole, you know, uh, going back to the 
uh, George Carlin thing. It's a gridiron, you know, yeah. uh, versus a field. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, and the object in baseball is to come home and to be safe. I hope know. I'm safe at home. Whereas in football, it's to score and to you know, blitz and bah, you know. <laughs> and drive your team into enemy territory. Right. Occasionally throw using a, the throw shotgun. a bomb. <laughs> Occasionally using the shotgun. Whereas in baseball, you sacrifice. <laughs> That's one of my favorite routines. Um, the lines moving in opposite directions and the, the, the concept of the game going on forever. That's something that um, you can't say about any other. You can't say that about any other sport, you know, any, any other majorly popular sport. Um, except tennis. You could argue tennis. But um, do you uh, do you remember... Uh, ever being at a game where there was no uh, outfield wall? Because back in oh, at look, the turn of the century, North Springs High School, when I went there, didn't have an outfield wall. Yeah. When I first coached at Riverwood, we didn't have an outfield fence. Uh, I once coached uh, at coaching at Riverwood. We once went to play at Old Woodward, and this was before they moved and everything. And they played in what was. This was like so cool. I loved it, but like it was inside of a uh, a building complex, and like if you hit that building over there, it was a double, you know. <laughs> and if you pulled it between these two buildings, it was a triple and stuff. And I was like, "This is great. I loved it." We jumped off to like a twelve-run lead or something. I put in all of our subs and everything, and we got trounced. <laughs> I was actually just playing softball this past weekend. I was in St. Louis, and uh, where I, where I of course went to school, uh, college, and um, I reunited. You mentioned that twice. Are you trying to get something from this? Yeah, I, I am. We're on iTunes now, so you know if if Emo's Pizza wants to sponsor us, I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, but in, in the the do the, I have to wear red all the time if that's the no, case? Okay, no, not at all. We're on the radio. No one can see what you're wearing. I'm wearing red. <laughs> I am not. I'm wearing more of a purple. <laughs> but um, so I, I played softball at Forest Park, which is huge. It's I think the second or third largest park in the country as far as an urban park um, next to Central Park and uh, Grant, I think, in Chicago. Anyway, um, the fields that we were on have no walls. They're all just they're all kind of you know grouped together but standing out there you see trees you see you know people picnicking picnicking you see um family members coming to watch and whatever and have a beer and um and then i could see the tops of uh this uh there's barnes jewish hospital in st louis is right there by forest park and so you see these kind of you know high rises sticking up and it started to rain and then there was a rainbow and then it was raining, but the sun was shining. And I just took a moment to absorb this because, you know, for myself, not being an athlete athlete, I can still play baseball, you know, and get the same sense of what it must be like to play on the big stage. From what you're saying right now, uh, just a side note, and this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but my son was telling me of a partner in his law firm that is hates baseball but he has had his son play baseball until 
I guess the kids 10 to 12, something like this. And he wanted them to play for five or six years. So later, when he was uh, having to play for his company softball team, he would throw the ball and not look like a dork. That he would at <laughs> least, you know, be look like he knew what he was doing. And that is somewhat important, you know, in these company softball teams and stuff like this. Uh, I thought, how bizarre. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I know that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But. Well, no, it's, but, you know, inherent is the beauty. And, 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 and talk about that. The, the art of hitting, you know, well, how, how is hitting such an art for him? As compared to right. just a, a skill. First of all, Ted Williams' book, The Art of Hitting, is impossible. Uh, I studied that book more than I've studied Shakespeare, and I've studied Shakespeare a lot. Uh, the, uh, there is, uh, and he has a, a diagram that if the ball is thrown here, you'll hit 312. If the ball is thrown here, you'll hit 308. If the ball, you know, and he has little balls all over uh, what would be a strike zone. The, uh, I never saw it that well. I didn't have 10, 15 vision. <laughs> you know, uh, I wasn't a superhuman uh, with wrists, the strength of American steel, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Ted Williams studied baseball uh, and and studied it as a science as much as anybody. But there was no way anybody else could do what he wanted to do unless you were superhuman and you had these abilities that he had. Uh, I, I'll never forget a story I heard that where Mickey Mantle at some ball game uh, was Ted Williams came over to him and he was like, you know, when you're batting left-handed, do you do this? Do you turn your wrist over? And, and Mickey Mantle listened to all of this, and he said he went into the longest slump of his career afterwards because he was like suddenly thinking. Uh, the, uh, I mean, but look, in talking about the art of baseball, look, all I know as far as the art of hitting uh, is that it's very difficult to hit a round ball with a round surface, and it's going the speed of a, uh, a Nadal uh, tennis serve. I mean, uh, and you have no idea where it's going, and you have uh, 0.06 seconds to decide whether you're going to swing. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do, which is why, you know, if you succeed 30% of the time, you're a grillionaire. Uh, it's a very difficult uh incredibly difficult task uh, i don't know of a of a athletic task that is as difficult now uh that said uh i i remember i had a record w one time from it was from philip 66 uh that this was back in the day when you went to a uh to a gas station and they and three guys would run out and be like cleaning your windows and filling your car and checking your oil. And then there's somebody that's giving you glasses and all this sort of stuff for spending a <laughs> dollar and a quarter on gas at this place. Uh, but I, for getting gas at a particular Phillips 66, my mother was given a 78 record. 
and it was by Stan Musial, and it was called The Art of Hitting. And I was like, Stan Musial, all right, this is, and I listened to that record until it could not play any longer. <laughs> and I'm sitting, and I know that Stan Musial, and he even says this, you know, you're not going to start hitting with your feet as close together as mine. And I was like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, you're pretty damn good. You know? the, um, but it was, you know, all the, I mean, if you've ever watched Stan Musial's swing, it was anything but conventional. And he was the, and, and he was left-handed, and I'm a right-hander trying to pick up this swing, and it did me no good, but that was the art of hitting a baseball. The art of hitting a baseball is that it's just damn hard. Uh, and the, uh, the physical, all of this, all of the action, uh, throwing a ball over the top, uh, this this is against the nature of your arm. Your arm is made to throw a ball like a softball, uh, not over the top. It go. That's why we have you know, Tommy John surgeries every time you blink your eye. Uh, it, that's not the nature of our physical body. But it's to watch somebody like Sandy Koufax bow out his chest and throw a ball 97 miles an hour it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's like, ah, it, this is as artistic as Barishnikov or, you know, any uh, ballet dancer you want to see. Yeah, it's true because, you know, the sport is in the classical definition an art, but you look at other sports and the skill set is something that you could learn. Like, I, I feel as though you can make the argument that anybody from birth could train themselves to, to, you know, to play other sports, but that baseball, it's truly a given creative talent. I don't know. I think on a professional level, you or I could have trained ourselves from the day we were born to be NBA basketball players, and we wouldn't be because we're not tall enough. True. And uh, I don't know that uh, if if there's enough – steroids and and <laughs> enhancements and everything that could make us football players. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, to get to the professional level in any major sport. And is, I can't skate worth a damn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if you just look at, like like you just said, the art of hitting a baseball, if you went out and practiced shooting a three-pointer, okay, despite how tall you were or whatever, you get a hundred looks at a basket. You're going to be able to line it up after a while and start to hit them, you know. And 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 that three point shot is in a sense the same as you know when LeBron James or you know uh, Kyle Korver or whoever puts one up or JJ Redick. It's the same distance. It's the same arc. It takes the same amount of time. But if you studied hitting and you tried to take a swing at something coming at you 85 miles an hour or shoot for me 50 miles an hour as much as i would practice hitting off at a tee or whatever it is so finite it's so such a, a an exacting skill that it's you you have to have a talent akin to being able to you know write a piece of music that's you know or be able to paint a picture or thus the fact that it's an art and not just a skill I concur with everything you're saying, but I will say there was a time and place. If the ball was straight and 85 miles an hour, I could hit it. Well, yeah. uh, but if the ball was 92 miles an hour, 
about that. Yeah. Uh, and, talking about and then when it bended, uh, that was a whole different story. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a few things more beautiful in sports than a, a, a perfect swing. Uh, we talked about this in a previous episode, but like when you watch David Wright or Ryan Braun, you know, it, it, it's so smooth and so effortless and it creates this, you know, circle motion. You know, it's not, you know, it's not. Uh, I, no, I'm going to say with the two of them, it's not uh, what I see is that they're able to separate their hands from their body, even on an inside pitch. And that's a. Uh, it is a beautiful thing, a beautiful swing, a Ken Griffey and Al Kaline, a Chipper Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, the, Chippers was uh, a thing of beauty. Uh, it, it certainly was. And uh, the uh, these are, uh, I mean, and then there are other great swings that were not beautiful at all, uh, that were just aggressive. Uh, Pete Rose was a tremendous ball player. I hated him. I hated him with a passion, but he was a tremendous ball player. I don't think he swung the bat beautifully once in his career. He attacked everything he did, you know, and it was uh, – beauty was not uh, something that you attributed to Pete Rose. But Yeah, well, then, and then there you go. It, it, it's even more of an art form because in classical literature you have those who, you know <laughs> – did things with a beautiful nature and those with an aggressive, angry nature. And so you have these cast of characters that represent, you know, heroes and villains for, for, for all of us. And seeing as how baseball was the first, you know, uh, sport that was played in America in this new country, you know, and, and it's, we invented it. Um, it, it, it takes the metal, um, the game itself, the speed of the game, and and what happens? What is actually happening in a given play? Tell us tell us about that. Uh, I, and, I have real problems with that. You hear all the time today about how baseball is slow, and people are saying that uh, it's too slow a game. Now, I will say that there are games that are prolonged way too much. You watch a Yankee Red Sox game and uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, they're an hour longer than other games. Uh, all the conferencing, stepping out Velcro is one of the worst things that's ever happened to uh, baseball because everybody has to readjust their baseball gloves five or six times because of the Velcro. Um, but the actual speed of the game, the game itself, when you watch it, it is there is a downtime well, because everybody has to take that deep breath and prepare because the speed is so fast. Once the pitch is thrown 100 miles an hour and somebody hits it 110 miles an hour and every fielder on the play is running at mock speed before the ball has even been hit and all the entire play where uh, I, I saw a game uh, a couple of weeks ago and I think you made some sort of reference to this but uh, where and the Braves won they were playing the Phillies but I watched a double play and I forgot who was playing third for the Phillies then but uh, he threw it to Utley and Utley to Howard and it was just such a beautiful thing watching this double play turn around the bases it was and it all happened instantly 
I mean, the, this pl- from the, the time that the pitch was released to the time that two outs were made, it was what four seconds, you if know, that, probably uh, two and a half or three. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and so much had happened during that time. Uh, and when you think of double play combinations, and you think, and everybody can talk about them, whether you're talking. Whitaker and Trammell, or Tommy Herr and Ozzie Smith, or Dick Grote and Bill Mazeroski, or Alomar and uh, what was it, and Vizquel, whatever you want to say, the uh, a double play combination. There, there's very little as artistic as that. And I, I've told you this before. I've seen the Bolshoi. I have seen the Bolshoi ballet, uh, ballet in the Hermitage and was. Thoroughly impressed, but uh, they didn't hold anything on the extemporaneous ballet of Alomar and Vizquel. <laughs> I cannot agree more. It is no, uh, you you can't. You've never seen the Bolshoi. No, but I've seen ballet before, and I can appreciate it even on a lower level. But even with that, I don't think those ballet dancers could go uh, <laughs> uh, five to four to three. Uh, in the same way that you know uh, Chase Utley can, but they did look better. They yeah, yeah. yeah easier on the eyes. I'll, I'll to be give sure. them that. I'll give them that. Yeah, Utley couldn't couldn't really rock the uh, the tutu. Um, Nor could Biscale. Come on now. <laughs> no, definitely not. Well, the um, the other art form uh, of baseball is an art that is such an integral part is the sound of the game. Um, Rarely do you hear about sounds of a game that are spoken of with such reverence as baseball. Um, and you can start with just, you know, before the, the television era, um, listening to baseball on the radio and what that's like in the, the, the poetry of a Jack Buck or Ernie Harwell or Red ben Barber. Stone. Yeah. I mean, ducks on a pond. Yeah. The, uh, uh, feel free to oh, elaborate. You oh, know okay. more than me. Well, you're you're so true. I mean, and uh, there are so many baseball announcers that are are beyond heroic status in the communities that uh, they existed in. I mean, uh, here the the Braves. Uh, I mean, it's uh, Skip Carey and Ernie Johnson. Uh, they were. Uh, they're kind of our emblematic heroes uh, behind the mics. Uh, the uh, and the Jack Bucks, the Red Red Barber may have been the first, as far as I know, and all of his, you know going up to Brooklyn and bringing all of uh, you know the the ducks on the pond type of colloquialisms. Uh, and uh, there is a that is. A, a whole different art form, you know, and, and I don't think there is, well, maybe there is. In some football, you know, I can think of Al Serraldo and now uh, foot meets leather, you know, and stuff, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess there is some, but baseball certainly was the origins of this in this country. Uh, and I think Red Barber may have been the first great uh, announcer. Uh, ironically, uh the, his last partner was Vin Scully, who may be the greatest announcer uh, of yours in my lifetimes. Uh, I, I sit and listen to him today without a color man or anything. And I, I'm just amazed. He's like 
so wonderful at what he does. Uh, well, public speaking is an art form in and uh, of itself. Uh, uh, sure, and, sure, sure. You know, the rhythm and the timing and the, the timbre of the voice. Uh, and there's such clarity with a Vin Scully. I mean, he uh, sounds like, you know, an announcer on a game show. You know, he's... Uh, True. Well, you know, yeah, it starts it starts there, and then what you hear when you're at the ballpark, you hear the sound of horsehide hitting leather and the crack of the bat. And something that you talked about um, is the sound of cleats on pavement. Uh, when I quit coaching high school ball, uh, I was I, I I didn't know that I could quit. Uh, baseball had been a part of my life, my whole life, and. It became necessary for me as a parent and as uh, and as a teacher and a lot of things for me to quit. And I was talked into staying a couple of years longer. But when I did finally quit, I found the thing that I missed the most were the sounds of the game. And uh, one of the sounds when your team is warming up and everybody's uh, – you have – half the team throwing balls to another half of the team and everybody's loosening their arms and you hear that pop, 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 uh, of the balls hitting leather. And then when you hear everybody in cleats walking on asphalt, uh, which has a very distinct sound, all of these, that's not even part of the game yet. Uh, and a, a very much a sensual part of the game. Uh, you think of chatter and stuff uh I, i've always thought chatter in itself was somewhat of an art form uh, here babe what do you say now uh the uh, it's like a jazz scat uh, uh, it is very very much <laughs> yeah, uh absolutely and uh something uh i mean there's trash talk in other sports but there's no chatter there's no, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, that doesn't happen he anywhere. Can it, he can it, he can it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and how beautiful that is. Uh, I love it. Uh, it. It's as American as like when your game is over and you're in Little League and you're already playing for a team called the Cubs and you're dressed in yellow and you still get a pack of baseball cards at the end of the game and everything is good. Uh, it's the same sort of thing. Everything is right with the world. Well, there you go. Well, Coach, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, this has been great. And uh, thank you to all those who uh, are listening. And you can check us out on iTunes and uh, as always on SoundCloud.com. This has been Baseball as an Art and the Art of Baseball. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Tucker. Have a good night. Coming into third. Safe.